Welcome to the Champions Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about Champions Church, visit GodsChampions.com. Now, welcome the powerful woman of God, our friend, Champions friend, the minister in this house, all the way from London, England. Let's give a big praise to the Lord to Joe Naughton as she comes. Praise God. Thank you so much, champions. What a joy to be here with you. And um, thank you for your love, your welcome. And wow, just hearing those testimonies, such a joy. My goodness. Isn't it amazing when people get saved in publics? There's something about it. Praise God. Why don't you just shut your eyes right now in God's presence? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for your presence here right now. And I thank you for what you are about to do. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to every single heart and life. And still with your eyes shut, if you just lift up your hands as that sign of surrender. And with your hands raised, just say out loud, Holy Spirit, will you do something new in me that will bring glory to Jesus? Shine your light into the depths of my heart and reveal those things that have been holding me back. Have your way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. And thank you, worship team, just for leading us into God's presence. Wasn't that glorious? Absolutely wonderful. You know, I was reminded I literally haven't heard that song through it all. Since the day that my spiritual mother died, and I got the call um, from her daughter, and she just said, Joe, mum's heart stopped beating four minutes ago. And I remember just like, it kind of hit me like a truck, really. But I was about to minister, and so I had to just pull myself together, get in my car, and drive, and I put on worship music, and that song literally just spoke straight to my heart. And it was like it just brought me to that place where I could go minister before I got back and started my healing journey. You know, God heals us. You know, he never wants us just to stuff things down. He never wants us to bury pain or pretend that it doesn't hurt. He always wants to heal. But right then, I needed to minister. So that song just touched my heart. So singing it this morning just took me straight back to the faithfulness of God. Sometimes he brings us out the other side of something when we're like right at the beginning. And we can look back and say, wow, Lord, you are so good. You know, there has been a lot of mention this morning already 
of the soul. And I want to mention a scripture that often is on my heart. There are certain verses that just, you know, God has called me to go back to again and again. And 3 John and verse 2 says this. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. You know, it's so important that you and I get that absolute revelation on the inside. God wants me to succeed in every area. Did you hear that? You know, it's like when Pastor Nolan was talking about, you know, God caring about every detail of our lives. And, you know, I'm a parent and I'm thinking, yeah, of course you do, Lord. Because although, you know, what does the Bible say? You, although you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. And I care about every detail of my children's lives, right? Any other parent? You know, and God cares about every detail, but he doesn't just care. You're made in the image of God. And he is great. And so he never has average plans for you. Did you hear that? Average isn't in the vocabulary of God. You look through the Bible and you're not going to find mediocrity. Average. The Bible said, speaking of Jesus, that people were astonished because he did all things well. Find me anything Jesus did that was just okay. Now, we all have giftings and lanes, but in any where God's called you, his heart is beloved. I pray, that's the Lord praying for you. The Lord prays for you. Jesus is forever interceding. Say out loud, Jesus prays for me. Isn't that awesome? And he says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. God's desire is that in every area of your life, relationships, you know, we all go through rocky times in our lives, but his desire is that you'll prosper in every relationship. Relationships, ministry, work, business, family, in all things, say all things. So God himself is praying for you and saying, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. And guess what? God wants you to be healthy and be in health. Thank God for that new cartilage and that new knee. Oh my goodness, my heart's desire is that for myself, that my faith would grow so that I never ever settle for less than what Jesus paid the price for. He was wounded, he was beaten so that you and I could be healed and made whole. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as. To the extent that your soul prospers. You might say, well, why would a loving God put requirements or put limits on what he wants for us. 
And you know, I remember the way that it came alive in my heart was when my son first passed his driving test. Anyone had one of their children pass the driving test and you're like, right, okay. You know, and, and I remember at that moment thinking, wow, you know, I want my son to have wheels. I want him to be able to get around, but I do not want him to have a fast car. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I did not want him to have a car that could kill him. I wanted him to have a car that could get him some independence. Because of my love for him, I didn't want him to have what he couldn't handle. Let me, let me put it like this. If promotion, and we're going to go on a journey today, but if promotion, now what realm are you in right now? Are you at school or at college studying and therefore promotion looks like top of the class marks? Are you um, in, in business so promotion looks like winning a whole raft of new contracts? Do you have a job so promotion looks like getting a new role? Are you retired and so promotion means suddenly you, you pay off your property and, and suddenly you have, you have some kind of windfall? What does promotion mean for you? Now, let me ask you a question. If your promotion could make you believe that you're more valuable or more important, if promotion can make you believe, I have more worth now, then maybe you're not yet ready for your promotion. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as, to the extent that, as your soul prospers. You see, God wants to do something in your life, but he's more interested in your heart than he is in anything else. You are his first mission field. He wants your life to give glory to him, but it flows from your heart. The state of your heart is what God looks at. Sometimes he keeps us in difficult circumstances. Are you hearing me? You know, let, let me share something. I went through a really tough season two years ago. And in the middle of it, and I'm not going to talk about that today, but in the middle of it, I mean, it was awful. So much accusation, everything imaginable about two years ago. And at the beginning, I heard God say to me, I will not vindicate you too soon. Right? And I remember thinking, oh, that's a kind of concealed promise. So he didn't say, I won't vindicate you. I will vindicate you. He was saying, I won't vindicate you too soon. So I'm like, you know, my, my brain kicks in on that one. What does that mean? Does that mean he won't vindicate me until vindication? You know, because, because there was a lot of people who ended up hearing stuff about me. And like, I was thinking, okay, does that mean he won't vindicate me until people whose hearts aren't really with us kind of are well and truly, you know, removed out of the equation? You know, so I, I used my brain. It was all engaged trying to work out what that means, Right. And then it was a while back, and I was walking along the road, and I suddenly said, you know, I was praying, because one of the things I declare over my family is what it says in Isaiah, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you shall be condemned. 
for your sake and your vindication is from the Lord. And I pray it over myself. And, and suddenly I went, Lord, I don't need to be vindicated. Because you see, what is vindication? It's public honor, isn't it, in some way? It's when suddenly the public sees that actually your heart was right all along. And suddenly I'm saying, I don't need it, Lord. I don't care what anyone thinks. You see, God is saying, I want to do something so good for you, so great for you. You're made in my image and I am great. And in no area of your life do I want to leave you in that place of average or okay. But, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. And what is your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. God sees, God knows. What does it say in Psalm 64 and verse 6? It says, the inner thought and heart of man are deep. Deep waters, another scripture says. Your heart is deep, it's complex. According to Jeremiah, it lies. It's deceitful. In other words, it lies. Let's put it in the terms we use today. And that same heart that's deep, that's complex, that buries things, that ignores what's really going on, is the heart that God look, looks at when he's deciding if you're ready for promotion. You remember what God said to Samuel. Jesse has all his sons lined up. And Samuel is convinced it's got to be the firstborn. Wow, look at him. Oh my goodness, this has to be the man. Samuel, the most spiritual man on the earth at the time. Don't worry if spiritual people can't always see who you are. So there he is. You know, they're all lined up and Samuel's going, wow, it's got to be this guy. And God says, no. I don't look at things the way man looks. I don't consult your resume. I don't consult your work experience. I don't consult who you know, where you live, how you sound. I don't consult your qualifications or your education. I'm looking at your heart. And when God chose David, it wasn't because he'd killed the bear or the lion. It was because God saw David's heart. And God's saying, I'm looking at your heart. Now, we're going to go on a journey today, and I want you to stay with me, because we're going to look at the life of Saul, King Saul. So, I want to read the moments when we're first introduced to King Saul. And it says in 1 Samuel 9, starting at verse 1, it says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Jump forward, it says, a mighty man of power, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. Now, let me stop there. There was one day when I read this, and suddenly, 
I got really troubled. Because I was reading this and I said, God, this isn't right. You know, we're allowed to question God on his word. Are you hearing me? If we don't understand, if it doesn't make sense, we need to ask for clarity. So I'm sitting with God's word. And I'm saying, Lord, you are the God, says in the book of James, that he is the God who only ever gives good things, right? God only gives good things. If you believe that, wave at me. It says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning at all. In other words, there's not even anything slightly bad in God. So he only gives good gifts, right? Even when we don't deserve it, he never gives us anything evil, right? So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, God, you loved your children Israel, right? And, and you know, if you want to ever understand what true love looks like, I, it's one of the things we teach in our Bible Academy at church in London is looking at the love of the father by watching his relationship with the children of Israel. It's remarkable. Oh my goodness, he loved his people. So I start to look at this. And I said, Lord, I've got a problem with this. Why would you pick a man based on his looks? Handsome, handsome. I'm like, why, Lord? Why would that be what we're being told about this man? And I just felt the heart of God saying, well done, Jed. Dig. I was like, okay, that wasn't an answer. But that's okay, I'll dig. So I started to look it up. And I looked up that word in the Hebrew that is translated handsome. It is a Hebrew word, tob. And I want you to hear this. It is a word that appears 559 times in the Old Testament. That's a lot, right? Now, of those 559, the vast majority, it's translated good or goodlier. Stay with me. Two times it's translated fair. And once, once, my friend, it's translated handsome. And if you read that very same verse in the Young's literal translation, this is the most literal translation of Scripture, listen to what it says. He hath a son, and his name is Saul, a choice youth and goodly. There is not a man among the sons of Israel goodlier than he. You see, God chose Saul because he had a good heart. I believe the reason the translators used the word handsome there is they couldn't marry up him having a good heart with how it turned out. But you see, God chose Saul, I have no doubt. Because you see, when God chooses anyone, he chooses someone who loves him, right? He chooses someone who... who is loves people. You see, Saul had a good heart. He had a good heart when God called him, but he had issues. Anyone else got issues here? Right? You know, God chooses us because he sees our hearts. He sees our potential. He sees who we can become. 
What does it say in 1 Corinthians? Let me get the exact. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27. Very, very well-known scripture. God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, right? Now, how does God confound the wise with a fool? By transforming them. Are you listening? He does it by taking a fool who has nothing, who's, who's been dragged up the wrong side of town, who has nothing to show for himself. And God says, I choose you. I pick you. But he doesn't expect us to stay the same way. You see, God chose Saul because he had a good heart. He loved the Lord, but he had insecurities. He had issues. You might say, prove it to me. I'm glad you asked. Let's look. You see, we're going to look at some of the things, some of the ways that he responded. You see, when Samuel first told Saul, you're God's choice. When that call first came, I have chosen you to deliver my people. You're going to be the next king. Listen to how Saul responded. In 1 Samuel 9 and verse 21, the second half, he says, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? He's saying, I haven't got what it takes. I haven't got it all figured out. There was something about his upbringing. Maybe he just felt, you know what? When you look at all the other tribes, they've got so much more going for them. The prophecies over Judah, what on earth are you doing coming to me? Maybe it was something to do with his dad. You know, the Bible is very clear. You know, when it says something, it says it for a purpose. And the Bible tells us that Saul's father was a powerful and successful man. Have you ever tried growing up under the shadow of someone who is so successful? Older sibling, parent, comparisons. Maybe Saul felt insecure because he kind of felt, I haven't got it all. They've got it all. They're better than me. They know how to answer things. They know what to say. We don't know exactly why Saul felt inadequate, but we do know he did. Really me, Lord? Why? I haven't got it. But then on the day when he was about to be announced to the entire nation of Israel, and Samuel had a whole kind of ceremony lined up where he called first. He said, you know, we're now picking. It's going to come. Your new king is coming. You know, you can imagine a drum roll. And, and he's saying, first of all, it's from the tribe of Benjamin. Everyone's like, yay. Clap, 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 clap. And then he says, and in Benjamin, it's from this house. And, and literally, he was going down. And then he said, and your new king is Saul. And then they're like, where is he? Saul? Saul! 
Listen, listen to this. 1 Samuel 10 verse 22, they inquired of the Lord. Imagine having to get a word of knowledge to find out where the new king is. Are you catching this? So then they inquired of the Lord, has the man come here yet? They didn't even know if he was here. But listen to this, and the Lord answered, there he is, hidden among the equipment. Listen, we're literally talking a big drum roll, and Saul's hiding. You imagine he'd be over there on the back of the platform, hiding behind the amps. He's hiding. And then later on, when, when everything fell apart for Samuel, have you ever gone through a really tough time and, and, and it all fell apart? And we're going we're gonna to look at some of this. But even then, even when he's now told, you've missed it. This man who started out with a good heart is more worried about what the people will think. And he says to, he says to Samuel, please, please, when we walk back among the people, they all know I've had a meeting with you. I don't want them all to be looking with suspicious eyes. And Samuel goes, all right, I'll walk back with you and pretend nothing's happened. You see, Saul had this deep sense of inadequacy. He didn't feel like he was enough. He looked at others and felt everyone else is better than me. I have no doubt he had imposter syndrome. Looked around and think, I don't belong here. But this is the thing you see. God chooses us when we're weak when we're foolish, when we have issues, but he's saying to each one of us, my son, my daughter, I want you to do something about the state of your heart. What does it say in Proverbs 4.23? Guard your heart above all. Let me ask you, do you really look after your heart more than you look after anything else? Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. You know, one of the things that we do in our church at home is anytime people are planning to get married, you know, the, the first thing we, we, we start off with because all the different events and programs and conferences that we run here in the United States, we, we run at home. And so our marriage ministry, if people are planning on getting married, they say, well, you need to start by getting your heart healed. Because if you went through any kind of trauma, you need your heart healed. If you were raised by human beings, you need your heart healed. Thank God my children both know they need their hearts healed. And they've both been on a healing journey and they stay on their healing journeys. Because if we don't, it shows up in our relationships. You know, for everything to go well in our lives, we need to look after our hearts. Massive amount of marriage issues could be resolved if we'd get healed. How can I love my husband after he hurts me? How can I be a helpmeet to my husband after he hurts me? Which every Every single married person gets hurt by their spouse, right? 
And how can we serve and love and give and literally follow what the word says if we're still hurt from the last time that they did something that made us feel rejected or put down or small? You see, my, my Bible doesn't say, Joe, your husband has to guard your heart. My Bible doesn't say, Joe, your mom, who's put you through a lot, is responsible for the state of your heart. My Bible doesn't say, Joe, your congregation who's hurt you every now and again, <laughs> because, you know, is responsible. No, no, no. It says to each one of us, it says, my child, the first thing I want you to look after is your heart. Because when I'm deciding if you're ready for the next level, I consult your heart. Every difficulty that we go through, every season where stuff is thrown at us, every family issue, everything you go through is an opportunity to say, God, here's my heart. It hurt. But do something in me, Lord. And the more that we allow God to do a work in our hearts, the more we have something to give to other people. So Saul was picked because he had a good heart, but he felt so small. I want us to have a look, you see, because any time we have buried pain, any time we have hidden issues, you see, no one would feel, let, let, me, let me put it this way, do you ever feel, and this is a rhetorical question, so I'm not asking for a show of hands, do you ever feel that other people are better than you? Do you ever walk in a room and think, oh my goodness, right, I'm a bit, I feel a bit embarrassed, I feel a bit, you know, what if people don't like me, what if they spot that I don't belong? Do you ever feel that real need for someone to approve of you and, and to affirm you? Do you ever feel hurt when stuff happens and people just walk past and ignore you? You see, all of these are just symptoms. They're just signs that there is buried pain on the inside. You might say, well, surely everyone feels a bit of that. Let me put it this way. You're made in the image of God. Jesus didn't worry what people thought of him. Jesus didn't walk in a room and think other people were better than him. Jesus didn't worry if he was seen with somebody who was a little bit like, what if others don't approve of who I'm with? You see, Jesus is our standard. And any time we battle with, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I've got what it takes. I feel so small. Oh my goodness, I just haven't got it. Every time we battle with those things, all it's saying is there's buried pain on the inside because this is what happens. The things you go through tell you a story about your value. King Saul... His issues, his feelings of inadequacy showed up, and I want to look at three broad areas in him. He fed on people's praises. He needed people 
to like what he was doing, when they started to scatter from him, when he thought he hadn't got that popular approval, he would, he would start to crave getting it back and he would do whatever he needed to to get the approval of the people. Anytime we feed on people's praises, we need their affirmation, their words saying, yeah, God's saying, I want to do a work. He needed his leader to affirm him publicly. And this is the other thing. Anytime you, you end up feeling inadequate or threatened when someone else is celebrated, if they get the promotion, they get the job, they get highlighted publicly, they get celebrated, and you feel, uh, uh, that makes me feel small, it makes me feel like I'm not enough. God is saying, I want to do a deep work in you. You see, a secure father is delighted when his spiritual son is celebrated. But when a bunch of women started saying, Saul's killed a few thousand, but David, oh my goodness. Of course, Saul didn't really think that David wanted the kingdom. The heart's deceitful. His heart told him a lie. It's, it's, it's easier to pretend that you feel angry. But really deep down in the inside, I believe King Saul's thinking, I feel so small, Lord. It makes me feel like I'm not enough when they celebrate him. You know, I've been married for 27 years now. And when I look back at my life, Abby, if you could come and help me, that would be amazing. When I look back over the last 27 years, because when I married my husband, I joined him in ministry. And God's hand was on my life. And he was promoting me in the workplace. I used to work for who is now King Charles. I was promoted again and again and again, earned big salaries. And I, I saw the glimpses so clearly of the favor of God on my life. And in church, our church was growing. We were seeing people get saved. We were seeing people get healed. I was beginning a little bit to preach in some of the nations of the world. And so I, I thought, wow, I'm a success. I honestly thought, my goodness, I, I, I think I've got it together. But you see, we can on the outside look like a success, but our issues always show up. I was always very insecure. There I was, you know, with these big jobs, earning massive salaries. And if I was on the phone to my husband and he quickly hung up, I'd be like, oh, what have I done? Does he not love me anymore? Whenever I was in public, I needed respect. I needed to be noticed. You know, if I walked into a, a conference with other pastors, and everyone is seated and then there's no space for me. You feeling that? I would feel terrible. In my marriage, at one level, things were wonderful. We were great friends, had so much going for us. But our deepest issues always show up in our closest relationships. 
And so I would often just push my husband away. So on the outside, I looked like a great success. But you see, God had heard my prayers. I want you to hear this, my friend. Because I'd been praying, Lord, make me a woman you can use. Use me, Lord, to minister to multitudes of people. And I'd prayed another prayer because of the issues in my marriage. I prayed, Lord, make me the wife my husband deserves. And when God heard that, he saw that as an invitation to do a deep work. You know, if you want God to raise you up, and I want you to know the world needs you to be raised up. When the righteous rule, the city rejoices. But if you want to step into it, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Whatever happens in the kingdom, God's will is that it will go from glory to glory. Your best is yet to come, but it starts in your heart. So there I was just with all these issues, but I had no idea. I thought I was this successful Christian woman. One day I went out to lunch. It was in the middle of a big, it was a pastor's conference and I sat across the table from a prophet dangerous place to sit and she looked across the table at me and she said the problem with you Joan how many of you want a prophetic word that starts like that she said the problem with you Joan is it's all about position And I remember in that moment, you see, I could have argued with her because I love God with all my heart. But the honest truth was that every job title gave me a sense of worth. When I met new people, if they were Christians, I wanted them to know I was a pastor. If they were non-Christians, I wanted them to know I worked for King Charles. Every position made me feel like I had value. Even being a wife and mother. Every achievement, every accolade. Each one fueled something in me. And so I sat there quietly and said nothing. And then she continued. Yeah, imagine. She said, the honest truth is you've never faced some deep issues from your childhood. You know, at that point, I did argue. Maybe I was letting off steam from the statement before. But I said, I've gone through my inner healing. I've gone through my deliverance in the healing. I'm good. And then suddenly, the spirit of truth broke into my heart. And suddenly, in this restaurant, it was lunchtime, surrounded by loads of people. I suddenly just started to weep and weep and weep and weep. And I'm facing my truth for the first time in my life after 10 years of marriage, ministry. And my truth was this. That if you were to take away every position, every title, just Joe, I'm not enough. And I cried. 
started to heal my heart. You see, we serve a God who's saying, I want to raise you up. But I do not want that promotion to make you feel you're worth any more than you were without it. I want to prosper you. But I don't want to release that into your hands until it doesn't add an iota of value into your heart. Because I want you to know how valuable, how perfect your worth is already. I just want to ask you to stand in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Saul could have had it all. I'm not going to go into it now. But God's original plan was that Saul would have an everlasting kingdom. Which can only mean, in my estimation, that the original plan was not son of David, but son of Saul. I, I, I can't read it any other way. The Bible says that God had originally, or maybe not that because of Judah, but God had attended to give Saul an everlasting kingdom because that's what Samuel said. Saul never dealt with the deep issues of his heart and he did well for a couple of years as a king. But because he never dealt with his insecurities, his inadequacies, as a result, he ended up craving people's approval, needing something that made him look like he had it all together. And he lost everything. Right now, I just want to ask you to shut your eyes because Saul's story is told so that we can tell a different story. And God is saying, I am searching your heart. I am searching your heart, my child. I am searching your heart, my child. I see you. I see you, my child. I know how you feel. I know what you've been through. I know the things that have been said and done to you. And I'm here for you to do something new, something new in you, because I love you. Right now, just with your eyes shut, you see the Lord is saying, I want to Reach into every place in your heart. I believe that Saul just felt really ashamed when David did better than him. Maybe you look at your life and there's elements of shame or embarrassment. Maybe you grew up in a situation which made you feel that you're just not enough, like you never measured up. Whatever it is, the Lord is saying, I want to do a new work in you. Right now, with your eyes shut, if while I've been ministering, something has touched on your heart, if while I've been ministering, the Lord has put his finger on any area in you, you might not even know exactly what it is, but you just felt a stirring 
I just want to ask you to lift up your hands, both of them in the presence of the Lord. Just lift up your hands high. And with your hands raised, just start to talk to the Lord. Just talk to him. If only Saul had gone to God and said, Lord, I feel so small. I feel like I don't measure up. I feel like I've lived under the shadow of these things. You see, God would have healed his heart. And just with your hands raised, just start to talk to the Lord. Maybe like me, you just feel like you're not enough. I'll never forget that day when my healing journey began. And mine began by facing that truth that I just didn't feel like I was enough. Without my achievements or without any positions or titles, I just felt like I wasn't enough. Just with your hands raised, just start to talk to the Lord. I want to encourage you. If you're saying, God, I want you to do a deep work in my heart. I want to encourage you. Please feel free to come to the altar. Come and kneel at the altar. There is something about responding when God is moving. The number of times it's when I get out my seat and I just say, I don't care what anyone else thinks. And I respond the number of times when that is the point of my encounter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Don't miss this moment. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And he's saying, I want to do something new in you. I want to do a new work in you. I want to reach into the deepest places of your heart. Where you felt like you don't measure up. Where you've looked at what other people think. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And if you just want to stay in your seat, I want to encourage you just to kneel where you are. There is, or sit if your knees don't allow you to kneel. But don't miss this moment. The presence of the Lord is here to heal you. And he's saying, I know you, my child. I know you. I know what you've been through. I know you. I know every, every doubt inside. Every sense of not measuring up. And the Lord is saying, I'm here for you. I want to do something new in you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you, my precious child. Just talk to the Lord in this moment. Don't miss this moment. The presence of the Lord is here to heal you. And remember, Jesus is your wonderful counselor. My healing began with the truth. Healing always begins with the truth. Transformation begins with the truth. If only Saul had told the truth, I don't feel up to it. God would have said to him, but I picked you, my son. I know that you've got this. And the Lord would have done that work in his heart, in his soul. Right now, just talk to the Lord. 
just speak to him words that have been spoken, that have made you doubt your value, things that have been said and done that have made you feel like you're not enough. Maybe you thought you would have achieved more by now. God is saying, I'm here for you. I am here for you. I know you. I know you through and through. I know you, my precious child. I love you. Oh, how I've got you. I am here for you. Jesus, Lord. Father, help each one to be real in your presence. Father, I pray that you touch on those things that you want to deal with today. Structural healing so often involves two parts. We pour out our pain in the presence of the Lord. We pour out our pain before him from the depths of our innermost being. And then he pours in his healing love. In Ezekiel 3.10, it says, Receive into your heart all my words. So many of you, things have been said that ripped you apart. Proverbs, it says there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Maybe things are being said to you that have crushed your confidence. First, you pour out that pain. But then the Lord says, receive into your heart all my Right now, across this place, with your eyes shut, wherever you are, whether you're sitting, kneeling, standing at the front in your seat, just with your eyes shut, just lift up your hands in God's presence. Because the Lord says to you, he says, I love you. I chose you. Before I put the stars in the sky, before I shaped the mountains. I chose you. I chose you and I love you. You are the apple of my eye. Oh, how I love you. I love you, my precious child. I love you. I am for you. There's nothing you can do to impress me because I love you. I picked you. I chose you. And with your eyes shut and your hands raised, just say out loud, I receive your love. Say out loud, I receive your love, Lord. Say out loud, thank you, Lord. 
that your view of me is what counts. Thank you, Lord. Father, I speak your peace over every heart. Father, I pray for an awakening in every heart to the importance of prioritizing their hearts. There are breakthroughs the other side of the well-being of your soul. There is answers to prayer and promises awaiting the well-being of your soul. I just want to encourage you right now to make that commitment. You know, God has called me my mandate on the earth is to lead a movement of people. It's to bring God's people to that place where each one of us prioritize our hearts that our lives may give glory to Jesus that our that we may fulfill every ounce of our destiny. So just make that commitment right now to the Lord. Those of you that look after everything else, just tell the Lord, I will look after my heart for the sake of my destiny. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I speak your peace into every heart. Thank you that you reveal the deep issues of our hearts because you want to heal in the deepest places of our hearts. You know, that day I shared in that restaurant was the beginning of probably a five-year healing journey. And now I just get healed all the time as well. Why? Because life hurts. Anyone ever noticed? But it was a healing journey that I went on. God restored my heart, my marriage. He enabled me to be, to start to be the mother I wanted to be. The leader and pastor I wanted to be. He did so much. And he continues to do so. But the main thing that happened is God gave me such a passion. You know, when I see people who are discouraged, who are carrying a heaviness, when I see people who are weighed down, when I see, because I see pain, it's just the way I am. God gives us the gifts we need to do what we're called to do. When I see hardship, pain, disappointment, betrayal, when I see letdowns, I just long to see every single one experience the freedom of complete liberty and joy being in your own skin, of not worrying what anyone thinks, of, of knowing that you wake, can wake up every morning full of joy. And so I want to let you know I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to Pastors Nolan and Kathy for supporting what God has called us to do. Um, but we are bringing 
And it's a brand new event. We are bringing a conference, a one-day conference, to Champions Church. It will be hosted here in Winter Haven on April the 22nd. And it's called Free to Succeed. Please feel free to take your seat. Feel free to take your seat right now, and then I'll tell you about how to be free to succeed. Um, the exciting thing is God spoke to me last October and said, for where I'm taking the ministry, you need your husband. And so from this year onwards, he is ministering at all the major conferences that we're doing, which is very exciting. So he will be ministering with me along with um, some of you will. Who, how many of you came to Fixing the Foundations in October? Wave at me. Do you remember the Colombian powerhouse, Marjorie? So she will be ministering as well. Free to succeed, we're covering four heart issues that cause you to sabotage your success in life and relationships. And these issues we're dealing with are inferiority. And that's really what Saul struggled with. Inferiority, self-hatred is the second one. You know, it's not okay not to like you. But when you get treated in ways, it makes you think that you're not worthy of love. So our second issue we're dealing with is self-hatred. Then we're dealing with victimhood. You know, when we feel like a victim, when life's thrown, I mean, I lived like a victim for years. But you see, the thing is, victimhood sets the bar of our expectations. We expect to be disappointed. We expect to be let down. And what does the Bible say? Essentially, you get what you expect. The expectations of the righteous shall not be cut off. So the third one is victimhood, and the fourth one is when we feel tainted by failure. See, until we get the failures off our life, you know, a righteous man falls seven times, but what makes him righteous isn't not failing or falling. What makes him righteous is he gets back up. So they're the four heart issues that we're going to be dealing with. It's a full day from 10 until 5.30 p.m., it's going to be transformational and liberating. Now, from the moment that you book, you'll see a QR code there which you can scan to book. From the moment you book, my team will start to pray for you by name daily and fast for you weekly. Everyone is given a certain number, so it's literally, it's, it's very personalized prayer. So we always want to see people book as early as possible. So what I want to do really is a seed into you guys um, and, and to encourage you to, to, to book today. But as a seed into you is anyone who books today and you show your confirmation, I want to sow into your life a gift that will help you stay on your healing journey and help prepare you. I, I've We've got, I think, seven or eight titles with us today, um, and you can pick. Normally, I, 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 I would say only, if, but I just want to let you pick whichever book speaks to your heart. Um, the books are also for, for sale, of course, but I will sow that as a gift into your life for anyone who books today. 
So if you know, do you know what? I want to prioritize my heart. I want to do this. You know, I remember Kathy, um, when we ran Fixing the Foundation, was like, oh, you know, as a pastor, oh, I wish this person was here receiving. I wish this person was there receiving, you know, because she knew the freedom that it would produce. And I just know what God will do on that day. So if you know, then just point your phone. It will take you straight to booking and then you can show your booking and the team will give you this gift. But I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to your hearts today. Thank you for opening your hearts. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Pastor Nolan. Um, I'm so grateful. We just love you and Kathy, the whole family and this church so much. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe for more content each week. If you'd like to learn how you can partner with us, visit godschampions.com.